All right, because three is a crowd. I'm here today. Once again, as always, Robert Johnson Month officially ended last week. But we are here today to talk about another Robert Johnson song. Because, <laughs> in fact, it, it ends today. Really? Kelly Howard, how's it going? Uh, it's good. I So so good. Are you excited that Robert Johnson Month is over? These months are usually a really big endeavor. And I, it's kind I, of yeah. Tough. It hasn't been taxing for me so much this time, which was nice because I was like, what, eight albums? Yeah, that was not the best. I also was like really curious about the time period. So it was a lot of fun learning stuff that I enjoyed doing. Yeah. So Robert Johnson Month. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. If you want to listen to it, we we looked at documentaries and the remastered specifically, but talked about other stuff too um, on our very first episode, which was, you know, three weeks ago or so. And then last week we talked about the 1961 King of the Delta Blues Singers record and kind of just it in general kind of looked at those songs in particular but we've been talking about it also in our regular episodes which have included down the highway and pledging my time so if you haven't listened to those scooch on over scooch on but kelly this is not a robert johnson podcast are you sure although a great Only idea sometimes. for a limited podcast yeah. run i mean come on get at it people Somebody get get fucking it. at it this is a bob dylan podcast but not a typical one kelly you thought it was, but it's not. We spend a week with a Bob Dylan song of any era, which we choose at random. And during the week, we create a public playlist on Spotify based around the song, its theme, its title. And at the end of the week, which is right now, we get together to discuss it as a piece of art, as a piece of music, as a piece of history, as something into a different world, a different future, something like that. While we talk about the song and its context and its relation to Dylan, we also explore its effects on us today, particularly us. I've been listening to Bob Dylan for most of my life. Kelly has heard roughly the same number of songs as the year that Madden entered the 32. See what I did there? 32? 32-bit gaming era. Ah. And this week, we listened to 32. You see what I did there? 32-20 blues. An outtake off of the 1993 sessions for World Gone Wrong, which you can find on the Bootleg Series Volume 8. Late. Tell sales. All the doctors in high spring sure ain't gonna happen now. If she gets unruly, thinks she don't want you. If she gets unruly, thinks she don't want you. Take my 3229, break her half in two. Uh, Kelly, we've, we spent um, a week this week listening to 3220 Blues, uh, an outtake off of uh, what became the Boulay Series Volume 8, Telltale Signs but would have been a part of World Gone Wrong. You've got your World Gone Wrong booklet in front of you. I do. He's wearing a fun top hat. We uh, have done Hard Times from... Nope, Hard Times is on Good As I've Been To You. Uh, Stagger Lee. Stagger Lee is the only other song that we've done from from this record. When did it come out? 1993. Mm. Uh, I guess that perfect segue recorded in Dylan's Garage in Malibu, California wow. in 1993. He's never played it live. You like that context? I do. <laughs> Context aside, Kelly, how was this uh, this song sit with you this week? It exists. It's Bob Dylan on the guitar, but from Good. the 90s. And uh, last week, famously, our playlist was shit. <laughs> oh, the playlist. Much better the playlist this week. playlist is pretty good. This Much week. better this playlist. week. All right, go ahead. Well, something to look forward to, people. So if you want to skip over to our playlist now, <laughs> uh, look at where it is on your show notes. However, we're going to be talking about 3220 Blues. Unfortunately, fortunately, who knows? We'll we'll figure it out at the end of the episode. Last week, if you listened to our mixed up confusion on Robert Johnson and on King of the Delta Blues singers, I looked at Chronicles and Bob Dylan's relation to Robert Johnson. 
we've sort of covered it all, I think, over the course of our episodes. I'm sure that there's a lot of minutia that, you know, we don't exactly know. And Robert Johnson, I mean, the reason, if you haven't listened to that episode, you said you wanted to do Robert Johnson because it just seemed to keep popping up and it's going to keep showing up in all of Bob Dylan's work. It's like a really seminal person to know. And you just kind of wanted to know it in general. You know, it's a famous name. Everybody knows him. But I'm sure a lot of people never listened to him. Bob Dylan wrote about getting Robert Johnson for the first time. And in Chronicles, he says, quote, the songs were layered with startling economy of lines. Johnson masked the presence of more than 20 men. I fixated on every song and wondered how Johnson did it. Songwriting for him was a highly sophisticated business. The composition seemed to come right out of the right out of his mouth and not his memory. And I started meditating on the construction of verses, seeing how different they were from Woody's. Johnson's words made my nerves quiver like piano wires. They were so elemental in meaning and feeling and gave you so much of an inside picture. It's not that you couldn't sort out every moment carefully because you can't. There are too many missing terms and too much dual existence. I don't think that that applies to 3220 Blues. No. Particularly. But some of his other songs, for sure. Interestingly, this is the only that he has recorded. Um, He probably has played a couple of songs. I think he played like Come Come in My Kitchen. With, I want to say, George Harrison, probably mm-hmm. in the 1970-ish. Oh, like is this just, as far as like a straight-up cover? It's straight-up like oh, a okay. cover that was going to be on a record type okay. of thing. Uh, this this is this is the first. Dylan would cover live Kind-Hearted Woman Blues, obviously 3220 Blues for this. He did this before, too, though. He played it at the Gaslight um, in 1962. Oh, shit. Yeah, which would be amazing to see. It's actually not part of the bootleg uh, Gaslight that I have or that's widely available. Uh, he also played Milk Cow Blues. Awkward. Mm-hmm. And then his presence, of course, is all over 1978 Street Legal. So we're going to talk a lot about about a lot about that when we get to Street Legal. And we've already talked about last thoughts on Woody Guthrie. And inside of that, there's multiple references to Robert Johnson that we just were not tapping into during Woody Guthrie month, which would have been rude to Woody Guthrie because it's Woody Guthrie month, not Robert Johnson month. But we we didn't even know we didn't even know Robert Johnson month existed in the future. How could we have? Pathetic. I think that it's. Obvious that Bob Dylan was enamored with Robert Johnson's lyrical ability and the way to like put words into a song is most kind of exemplified to me in their red hot because there yeah. are so many fucking words. It's yeah. like proto rap. Like it, it, if Bob Dylan made the first rap song, uh, oh, I raise oh. you the red hot <laughs> because he's fitting so much into such a small amount of time that that song has more words than any of his other songs. True. And I, I wonder if that was one of the ones that was like, oh, Bob Dylan. So there's uh, lots of different versions of this song out there. A lot of people have recorded it uh, over time. We're not going to talk about all of them. Is it Robert Johnson's first? Like, is he, did he use the first one that did it? No. Oh. Well, it's, so that's complicated, right? right. So it comes down sure. to, is it his original version of it? Yes. It is. A, he is the first one. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Everybody is sort of emanated from him on down. Bob Dylan is emanating directly from. Remember Stagger Lee? I mean, we've got like sure. essentially four different strands of the song going down. This one has really one, and it's Robert Johnson. Right. In, and in and the versions that like he may have been influenced heavily by on the playlist are not the same. No, songs, no. So. And, and so on the playlist, you can find... Uh, Roosevelt Sykes version of the song, 3220 
Blues, recorded in 1930, so a good six years before um, Robert, Johnson. Robert Johnson recorded it. And then a year after that, 1931, Skip James did a cover, or did a song called 2220 Blues, which it probably is more of a connection to Johnson's. Johnson recorded this one November 26, 1936 in Texas. And then probably the bigger versions of this afterward, discluding Bob Dylan. Uh, and I would say... D- not including Bob Dylan at all. Like most people are not going to listen to this because it's on a bootleg series. Uh, so Muddy Waters did a version in 1942 uh, that's on our playlist as well. And John Hammond Jr. Of course. Because you can't not. If you want to know more about John Hammond Jr., just, just, oh, yeah, you can hear our smiles when we say his name. Just find a drain. Country Blues. Pop a squat. Play a song. Pop a squat. <laughs> play a song. One of them, I think the Roosevelt Sykes. That was like, a slightly nicer version. I feel yeah. like <laughs> Robert Johnson's is very specifically murdery, like very murdery. But then sometimes when I listen to it, Robert Johnson's version, I'd be like, maybe he's just talking about his dick. Maybe his gun is his dick. A la kiss ah. love gun. Right. Mm. So I mean, he has the third leg. I mean, exactly. I know. So sometimes I would pretend while I was listening to it, that it was just about weird sex stuff. Maybe violent sex, which not great, but anyway, yeah. better than just straight up murder. Yeah, his seemed to be the most explicitly single-mindedly about murder, because uh, the Roosevelt Sykes one was a little more the lighter. Like, I am upset definitely, that you're cheating. Yeah, definitely murder though, for yeah. sure, and and pretty racist too. Call, calls the guy monkey man, and then oh, uh, yeah, all right. your men look alike to me. All uh, right, rough stuff. Okay, so Roosevelt, <laughs> Roosevelt's having a, having a hard time. And then I was going to look up the difference between St. Peter and St. Paul, and I was like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but I, at the end, though, it's kind of uh, like, it's kind of like, I guess, thematically, it kind of works with 3220 Blues by Robert Johnson, because at the very end, his line is, uh, now I see you going through the lonesome lane. Now everybody's got their 30, their 3220 of mine the same. Sort of like it's inherent. We've all got our 3220 ready to go. Yeah. If something were to happen, we're ready to, you know, metaphorically blast our way out of a room if we have to sure i mean we all do though i mean like metaphorically i I like it better i can get behind a song like this way more than i can literally like you're late from being home i'm cutting you down yeah and bob dylan specifically doesn't say cutting you down he says break Mm -hmm. he doesn't say cut so he knows he knows what's happening in this song i just want that to be clear Kelly, of course, we're talking about guns. <laughs> we are talking about talking guns. About guns. What do you know about guns? Uh, not a lot. Yeah. I I fired I fired guns. You have fired before. guns. Okay, me too. Yeah, I was briefly a correctional officer in the state of Florida. Fucking right. And had to certify on a Model Ten Smith and Wesson, which is a handgun revolver, which would be not super dissimilar from a thirty two twenty. Yeah. Um, a shotgun, double barrel, no single barrel shotgun, but a long like yeah. long shotgun, and uh, an AR fifteen. So. Holy shit. Yeah. I've never done those. Just mm-hmm. right with guns and, and like rifles. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like I mean for... I don't know what types they were. They were so long ago. I was young. Yeah. Like a bolt action kind of thing? I don't remember. Where you like had I to... don't know what a bolt action is. You remember like old school BB guns where you had like... to like No, this was out with like my, my uncle who's a hunter. Yeah. Yeah. So it was it was like a powerful gun, but I just don't remember it. Yeah. Yeah, the AR fifteen was scary because there's a lot of pieces because we had to break everything down. Oh, really? Everything too. Yeah. Damn. Um, and yeah, very like whatever that movie was, the Full Metal Jacket style, where you know, like yeah. put them all together fast. Uh, and I got in trouble because when I was supposed to check that my barrel was clear, I like basically pointed it at my face. It wasn't loaded, but like that wasn't the thing. But he, the guy was like, "Now you have to do push-ups." I was like, "That's hilarious." Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm not doing push-ups, <laughs> but thanks. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, wow, I wasn't expecting an expert. No. 
I just had to look up what these things were. Like I, for me, I'm a novice. I don't really know anything. Thirty two twenty. Apparently, it's a Winchester rifle ammunition. Mm-hmm. Uh, can be used in handguns as well. Yeah, it's just like it's. I would imagine it's just describing the size. Yeah. of the bullet. Yeah, cal- thirty two caliber bullet. Mm-hmm. Caliber bullet. Uh, standard black powder cartridge charge of twenty grains. Sure, that's that why thirty two twenty. I just pieced that together. <laughs> Incredible. Apparently, this is good for shooting animals because it doesn't spray, so it kind of saves the meat when you kill oh, right. a deer. Versus like a shotgun would be right. scatter. Right? Yeah, but apparently it's uh, somewhat weak, so you got to be pretty close. So people don't really care for it now, but it's probably when it's a very prevalent um, piece of ammo. Mm-hmm. Uh, also mentioned in here is the thirty-eight Special. Right. The woman has the thirty-eight Special. Um, I didn't realize this, but... Uh, 38 SPL or SPC, it's pronounced special. I thought something was special about it. It's not. Apparently, this all I, all you need to know for the song though is that 3220 ammunition is more powerful than the 38 special. Well, I learned that from Robert Johnson via the song, or so I put it I. together contextually. Sure, sure, and that's and that's uh, apparently this one is super common. So like this was the standard ammunition for like police departments and stuff. Mm. Throughout the 20th century, uh, created by Smith and Weston in the ni- in the ni- Smith and Wesson in the 1920s. The 38, the 38, yeah. 38 special, yeah. And I think you could get that knowledge about it being a more powerful gun from his reference to the Gatling gun, um, because his his gun not there is no Gatling gun in this song, but compared to a 38, his 3220 is like a Gatling gun, which is inaccurate. Which is inaccurate as hell. <laughs> Invented by Richard Gatling. It's a real guy, and he he wanted to reduce the size of armies, the number of deaths in combat, and show how futile war was. Back in the day, they were like, let's make massive weapons to show how dumb war is. No one will ever use them. Someone had to do it, though, right? Someone had to take that logic to its conclusion and realize that's not how it's going to work. So I feel bad for Gatling. He probably came to really hate himself for making this gun. Um, apparently, it's very interesting, though. It was one of the crank Hand ones. Crank, yeah. Cranks. Uh, it's the multiple barrels. Three to seven barrels would be raised or lowered as you went, so it, it would stop overheating. I just think of the countless video games we've played, mm-hmm. you know, where you're fucking cranking it out. Red Dead's got a you know, Gatling gun, gun yeah. moment where you got to stop and you got to, like, think about, it's overheating. I got to move on or I got to do something else. God. Uh, it was actually used for the very first time in the um, in the Civil War in the 1860s. Oh, no shit. Uh, it's yeah. that old. Oh. It's that old. Um, so 12 guns were purchased by uh, Union commanders, and they were used in the trenches in Petersburg, which is an epically bl- bloody battle right at the end of the war, which took place, for, I mean, from June 64 all the way to the end in April 65. Uh, and then Gatling, Gat- other Gatling guns were put onto gunboats as well. Uh, it was not used during Custer's last stand. He was supposed to bring the Gatling guns. But he didn't. And then they all got murdered. Loser. If you want to hear me talk about fucking douchebag Custer, <laughs> uh, is that the beginning of this season? I, we were in the blockhouse when I did that. That might have been like. Last year? That would have been 41 or 42, which would have been God paying blood. Wow. Wow. How time flies. It's how time flies. Yeah. You want to hear me talk about Custer for a minute? Go find that. Um, and then it was successfully deployed by um, colonials powers in Africa and Central Asia. So they were used by the Russians and the um, British to mow down people in Africa and Asia. That's nice. And then it was later used to break strikes in Pittsburgh in 1877. Wow. Little do we remember that people fought for you and I to, have to not work have to work all the time. Yeah. And now we're getting away from that again and we need to stop. And yes. then finally caps percussion caps 
Uh, he says, I got a 32-20, got to make the caps all right. Um, back in the day, I mean, this would not be relevant for Johnson, but back in the day, you would need a cap to put your gunpowder in. Oh, sure. And you would shoot it, and it would be reusable. So you would find it. So apparently what he's hearkening back to, I mean, it would cost nothing now for Robert Johnson to buy a bullet and shoot it because they just didn't cost that much. But back in the day, it would cost, you know, it meant if you were going to say, I'm going to go pop a cap, I'm going to right, I'm going to go cap someone. Right. What you're implying is I'm willing to um, spend the money to lose my cap and my gunpowder by killing somebody. So this is a big deal. I'm going to go cap them. I'm not just going to, I'm not playing around here. I'm going to go kill them. So we, that's part of our lexicon now. Oh, sure. We're going yeah. to go put a cap in someone's ass, right? But now caps are nothing. So was that interesting? <laughs> was that uh I learned a little. Was that enlightening? Yeah. Does that help you understand 3220 no, Blues? Because I think the message is pretty clear. And actually, mm. like, the the gun is just the weapon with which... Mm. This the song is gets its message across, which is killing women. It's, it's true. Why is Bob singing it then? I don't know. Some because mer- it sounds good. Because he probably listened to the record one day and was like, "I can do. That. Why don't I just do that real quick?" I'll take the easiest one. Is he the one playing the guitar? Yeah, it's Bob okay. completely on his own. Nice. Yeah, it's just him. I mean, that's that, good. That's yeah. I mean, because we've listened to Hard Times and Little Maggie. I mean, I would fucking hope he's good at playing the guitar. Forty years later. Yeah, that was his whole thing. He was going through another fallow period and he was like i need to i'm gonna get back i'm gonna do you know folk rock's coming back in so i'm gonna do a couple of acoustic covers and people will love me again and then people are like yeah whatever sure it's cool that you're still alive and then time out of mind and then we are where we are today he's now a big thing but this was right before he came back quote unquote Mm -hmm. um so i don't know why he chose to do this song it's it's a pretty punchy song i guess is probably my reason like it's not a standard like um well, I don't. I guess I don't know, because it it's just a just a blues song. Yeah, it's dark. It's a it's a dark song, of course. Um, you know, he does say, like I said before, you know, I take my thirty two twenty now and break her half in two instead of cut her, which we would definitely associate with mass shooting somebody. Oh, sure. Um, we mentioned Hot Springs in Wisconsin, so we've we've located this in Arkansas and Wisconsin. Does that oh, help you? No, I mean, because the the line is. Because she's going to... No hospital can No doctors are coming for you. Because you will just die because I will murder you. So the girl, she she was out all night. Her hair is tangled up and she's not talking to him right. Yeah. He didn't come home. The sun was shining bright. And then he just kills her. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. He cheated on her. So he killed her. Hmm. And Hmm. this made me... He did. Or what? sorry, she cheat. sorry she yeah. cheated on him and then he like, killed her. What is the story? Or and like I said, a more kinder, gentler version, a still violent version Ooh. of like Ooh. that. Oh, the metaphorical version, right? Yeah, kind of... where wherein she is still maybe stepping out on him, but mm. he's like, "Don't worry, I got this Gatling gun, and I'm mm. gonna put it to you. I'm gonna fucking, I'm gonna put you in the hospital in a sexy way." <laughs> well, I, it is all kind of threats. Yeah. Right. Oh, I mean, yeah. there is. So I guess that's probably more. More too, because there's a couple other Robert Johnson songs where there's like the underlying threat is there and nothing actually happens in the songs. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I guess that would be more of the thing. Yeah. I mean, we don't know for sure if he's trying to right? We never get a confirmed. Mm, no, no, no. He's just threatening that he's going to. Just saying that and saying, yeah, there's no doctors in Hot Springs. There's none in Wisconsin. Like, I guess implying there's nothing on the Mississippi that's coming for you. Yeah. Which is pretty dark. That's a dark. Oh, yeah. Thought. It's super fucked up. It made me think of... um Hey Joe, which is a phenomenal song, Jimi Hendrix song. Oh, Jimi Hendrix, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I like better because he's talking to a friend who's like, "I'm going to kill my wife," instead yeah. of, 
him doing it. <laughs> so it's That's a little fair. more palatable. Wow. Also, it's Jimi Hendrix and it's great. But um, true. And that's that is better than Bob Dylan in this context right here. Yeah, it, but it's still the the message is just you know violence against women, like which was so much. It still is. I mean, depending on where you look, obviously. So that's not interesting to me, and yeah. it's a bummer. And I just like cool that you picked this song, Bob. Yeah, I mean, I guess you know the only the only saving grace for any of this kind of stuff can ever be is if there is if they're saying something they're commenting on it in some way but i can say definitively bob dylan's not commenting on it at yeah. all um hey joe might be different i don't remember um but it is i mean it's way more famous way bigger of a song mm-hmm. and i'm sure it's because it's a hopefully a more intellectually stimulating song but i don't know i, don't I guess know. i mean it's mostly just like my friend said that he was gonna kill his wife yeah. and then he did yes i did i shot her yeah shot shot my lady down shot her down now and there's no real there's no conclusion it's just Oh, we did. Well, and then know. guitar solo. <laughs> like, yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Well, someday on our Jimi Hendrix pod, we'll, we'll cover that song. Right. Uh, the ending uh, is maybe the mo- only interesting part of the song. Uh, a whole boy. A whole? A whole? A hoy? A hoy. I say a hoy. A hoy, boy. Um, <laughs> I, can't, I just can't take my rest with this 3220 laying up and down my breast. Um, interest. I don't know. That's kind of an interesting ending. Like, we're imagining somebody who can't be still. And when I first heard this, I assumed that he killed her mm. and he is restless. Obviously he just murdered somebody. He's like, I can't be still with this gun on me leading to, am I going to kill myself? Like I have oh, now have this, this on top of me. So I'm going to, I'm going to kill myself cause I killed her. Um, or just like interesting about the uneasiness of having it. Cause if it was just a metaphorical thing, it's almost a commentary on like owning a gun, sure. like especially owning a gun in a non-safe way. Like if you're not like a hunter or whatever, like people definitely own guns and just have them lying about, you know, and it's like having, but even, but even that, like even locking up a gun on some level, you have this instrument that can murder somebody in your home. And that's a powerful thing. Mm-hmm. And so for me, even if like, he's not going to kill himself, he has the capability of doing it. Like the threats are enhanced in that way. Or like, even like I'm feeling this pressure. Now she walks in like that right. one day I'm going to pick it up. Cause it's here. It's right there. I'm going to do it. Yeah. It turns into Which a tangible scary. thing, right? Like before yeah. maybe he's just jealous and angry and mm-hmm. now it's like, Oh my God, I bought the gun. Oh no. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's why that's probably the most that like open-ended, just like interesting part of the song because otherwise it's just kind of like i'm mad at my girlfriend i'm definitely getting cuckolded this sucks i'm i i i'm on one level threatening or i'm possibly murdering her in this song okay (laughs) i mean it's like um, violence in this country is yeah is unbelievable we've we've been there before i'm gonna shoot my pistol gonna shoot my gatling gun Shoot my pistol, got to shoot my gatling gun. You made me love you, now your man have come. Oh, baby, why you stay last night? Ah, baby, why you stay last night? You got to have. I wouldn't say that that was like the greatest version in the world ever, but clearly he was like. Stagger Lee over this song. Yeah. And I mean, I would agree just because I think Stagger Lee is better than, than, the, than this song has way more lore and 
is still one of my favorite episodes that we have done. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm, I, I understand why this is an outtake, but I, I guess it's cool to have a tangible Robert Johnson song in a Bob Dylan. Explicitly. Yeah. Yeah. Which is pretty interesting. That's perfectly fine. So does this song work? I think we, we can agree it doesn't, but in Robert Johnson in general, if we're going to take like the long view here, I guess this would be our final, our final phase of Robert Johnson month. In the end, how how does it feel when you're on your own? Uh, yeah, just like, oh, Jesus Christ. I mean, like, do you recommend Robert Johnson? How do you recommend it? How do you do this for somebody? What what is What do you need to have before you can come to it? Because I would assume it'd be very hard for somebody with no context to just be like, you have to listen to this. I feel like this is one you have to come, almost discover on your own in some way, but like have to come back, back in time to somehow yeah and bob dylan will not be your avenue because this song is relatively obscure and unknown right but you definitely have eric clapton people listen to him sure got a whole record of his you know i'm sure you're getting a nice little pipeline there but you know what is it i don't know i i unless somebody was a guitarist who was interested in learning Mm -hmm. a difficult style uh or somebody who was already kind of into the blues but like how if you were into the blues there's no so i I know that's a great point you you would get them young i guess you know like if you don't know musical styles it's like have you have you tried robert johnson have you put that in your yeah i guess it would be have to be a very specific person who was like open-minded about music but had never like had not really experienced it yeah like uh or i don't know maybe a metal kid right maybe you're like Oh, sure. Okay. You know, you like this kind of stuff. Well, let me tell you about people talking about the devil back in right. the day. I and where their direct cool. roots come from. And you can yeah. trace it all the way back to here. I think, and I think an op- it would have to be an open-minded fan. But I feel like if you were open-minded, I don't think you can honestly sit down and listen to some of the riffs and be like, this isn't good. Right. Yeah. Like, so it, musically, like, I think that that's always going to have a resonance. Yeah. As far as lyrically, I mean, the ambiguity of the devil stuff and that kind of thing that mm-hmm. appealed to what rock will become yeah. is, is interesting. But like for me, I'm just never going to find value in <laughs> well, just like the constant uh, narrative of abusing women is fine. Sure. Like that's that's the takeaway of everything inside. Women are the, the reason why my life is poor. Uh, and even songs that aren't about that, even his self-reflective stuff, he'll throw a line in there, like just just to say, uh, also women are evil. Just so you know, just women are the reason that everything's bad. And, and if you don't have one, it's bad. But also when you have one, it's bad because women are bad. <laughs> it's a tough look because what people like about him is, you know, what I said, I think, in the very first episode. People really like when he would put together stories inside of songs that mm-hmm. wasn't being done. And those feel oftentimes completely out of place. Like the songs where you're like sucking off a cow. It's like, oh my God. Yeah. It's like, fine, put all your shitty things inside of the cow song. But like on a different song, yeah, it, it feels like another one of those, like, oh, got to get verse five in. Right. What's my go to? <laughs> What's everyone's go to in a way? You know, and I, but that's the thing that we talked a lot about context uh, last week on our, on our final mixed up. And that's a thing that we we both said we want more context context for, and just an understanding if there's like anything else to be said about it, or like what other people just feel about it. That's what that's kind of what I would like to know. Because I think for us, it's like I'm I'm just personally tired of it. Yeah. It's just really it's just bad. It's just it's bad, and it's so weird though. It's tough. It's easier to lambast people today because they know better, right. right? But like it's it's harder to go back in the 1930s. But you don't want to do the presentism, but you also need to respect that it's not an unknown concept that people weren't 
like inherently misogynist. Oh yeah, and that, that wasn't plenty incredibly of common. people. Oh, it was common, well, but plenty of people also it wasn't common. It might have been common in popular culture, but there were certainly people that respected other human beings. But it's also important to do the thing where you hold two thoughts in your head at once. Right. You have to be able to judge it on its context. So we just did. But you can also say, I don't want to listen to this stuff. Right. When I hear about someone getting cut down, I, I just I don't want to I don't want to deal with it. Right. I don't want to do it. Especially think, when it's an amorphous no one. Just a generic right. another especially after listening to a record of just like a generic woman after a generic woman. It's not like a fun murder bob song where I'm like going through the streets and I'm meeting rando people and like there's characters, there's like a story, there's something happening. Right, just Those a body. Just yeah. a an object to destroy. Yeah. And you just know exactly what they're going for and what you're feeling when you hear it. Yeah. I think that you knowing so much about history gives you an opportunity to to know those things like well obviously that's a very redundant stupid statement but like i for me and i think a lot of people that don't take the time to learn history uh you think that it was all this one way because like it's easy to see the flaws and the negative stuff and people don't often talk about the people who were pissed off at the time i mean Mm -hmm. even just watching stuff about robert johnson and when um white liberal America found blues music and it helped become part of the civil rights movement again, like this revival. It's like in my head in the sixties, there was like hippies and then the, the not hippies. And then like, they were both like the hippies were a fringe group, but it's like those people were us now. Like Mm -hmm. those are the liberals. Like, it, it just oh, like and even going back further it's like there was always those groups i mean like what do you got through like the the communist party was mm-hmm. was there like yeah. they were trying to do the right thing back then and it's so easy because all we get is the the narrative of the victors usually and mm-hmm. the like everything else is is fringe or didn't exist i don't know because we're only fed the little tiny portion of everything throughout our culture and through like school public school or whatever so it's cool to get those glimpses of like yeah, yeah not everybody was fucking beating their wives all the time or being incredibly racist and lynching fucking black people. Exactly. But that definitely did happen. And we should talk about it and always hold those two things in our heads. Yeah. Yeah. And the complacency, it's more that like, that's why popular culture has this type of stuff is that we are way less complacent to allow it to exist than we used to be. Mm -hmm. Not everyone's fucking blowing people's heads off and fucking stabbing their wife and shit, but they're complacent with having it there. Right. Right. Because it's a male dominated space. Women were not in popular media for the most part just became more tolerant just more tolerant people overall but there were always tolerant people and of course like the communist party shows up a lot in this type of stuff especially in the south as the one place that blacks could feel comfortable Mm -hmm. being around other people and it's like we're we're told to demonize the communists because of what the soviet union does it's that there's no relevancy between the two of those this is a party of people that are working for equality of mankind the fact that you hear the word communist and your knee-jerk reaction is like evil what you're defending in that situation is the jim crow south you're defending white supremacy over a a little party of white kids that are like i want to fight for everyone's liberation like how pathetic are you that that that's that's where you side you should look at your life and really feel ashamed yeah well that's why that was interesting that um female blues singers are really popular in the 20s before and that was all steeped in racism because men their white america was afraid of black men Men, for sure but but black women were okay enough almost human well sure i mean they've been you know 
they've been raped and dehumanized for centuries. So oh, yeah. it's easy to have a black woman up there. Right. Powerless. And, yeah. Absolutely. So that's totally fine. So like, but then you have Bessie Smith openly talking about domestic abuse and stuff like that. So yeah. I would say. Oh, yeah. Maybe to to well, there's Smith. power to it. I mean, yeah. again, you, you come from a disadvantaged, powerless group. You go up there. You start speaking truth to power. You actually have something to say. Mm-hmm. Unlike somebody who comes from a privileged background who is often has nothing to say and they're often very quickly seen as a complete fraud uh, as a huckster as somebody who's yeah. just here to, to to mock it or make fun of it and that's where that appropriation is the worst it's the intent of appropriation that i think is the most galling thing it's like somebody who identifies with the blues no matter if they're white black mexican whatever that's that's fine with me but if your intent is to strip it of its veneer and sell it make that, that coin that's that's the galling part for me and that's what even in those documentaries about robert johnson we, we watched the bbc documentary on the blues there was that interesting um coming up against someone like alan lomax a purist who's saying i'm sad about the commercialism which i think we can all lament a little bit today because the commercialism that we live in is so rampant so mm-hmm. disgusting but at the end of the day i don't want to be mad that black performers were getting paid right were getting paychecks right but on some level, like I, I get it, right? That's that huge tear, and that's really the existential tear of art versus commerce, right there in that moment. Anyways, I, we were a Christian podcast last. Now we're a now communist we're podcast. Fucking communist podcast. So all hail Marx. Uh, <laughs> final thoughts, I guess, in this retrospective, it's too just too it's too big. It's just yeah. too big. In the end, um, Michael Gray in the Bob Dylan Encyclopedia, I think, sums it up. Fairly nice. So I'm just going to do a little quote here. You could add, quote, you could add that even in retrospect, Johnson has only become a giant of the 20th century music among white aficionados. The overwhelming majority of African-American music enthusiasts in the United States today, this was, you know, 20 years ago, uh, who were familiar with the names of Muddy Waters and B.B. King have still never heard of Robert Johnson. Veteran blues field recorders Peter Lowry, whose 1970s work contributed greatly to our knowledge of the Piedmont blues and of figures within it like Buddy Moss and Blind Willie McTell puts it most strikingly. He says in writing a history of the blues, he said he puts it most strikingly writing a history of the blues by focusing on Robert Johnson is like writing a history of the automobile by focusing on the Edsel, both failures in their intended marketplace. Hmm. The Edsel, I don't know if you know, I had to look it up. So an Edsel was Ford's attempt in the 19, late 50s and early 60s to do the car of the future. they One of the biggest commercial failures of all time, they lost $2 billion trying to sell these like car, this car. So it's a, it's just kind of like a shorthand for a failure. You know, so doing a history of automobiles through the eyes of the Edsel might be interesting, but it's not going to be definitive, right? Because you're telling a failure. You're not even looking at the rest of it. So it's pretty interesting to think of Robert Johnson as a failure. Mm-hmm. I think uh, it's hard because we don't know what the Edsel is, but you could say um, a history of uh, beverages uh, by focusing on the new Coke or the Crystal Pepsi or Zima or the Lifesaver soda or Frito-Lay lemonade what? or Coors Rocky Mountain sparkling water. But you get the idea. What? Man, All they were before were their real. time. All those things are real. Rocky Mountain and failures. Lots of drinks. We are fickle people here in America. We don't, we don't want to <laughs> fuck around with drinks. There's so much stuff that we never got a chance to talk about. We never talked about the photographs. Uh, two have been authenticated, quote unquote authenticated, 2008 and 2015. So there's four out there potentially. Wow. Uh, it's tough because it's like r- the the latest one in 2015 is like really um, intensively facial recognition technology because oh, uh, he's like drinking a drink. So you can't even see like his mouth and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's like 
taking these measurements and I'm like, I'm out. I can't do it. Uh, we talked a little bit about the battles over the estate, uh, Peter, Levere, Peter Levere and uh, Mac McCormick, you know, doing their, their works and stuff like that. Um, super interesting. Just where was, where did the money go? We never talked about the Supreme court ruling in 1998 that, uh, the Mississippi Supreme court ruling that Claude Johnson was the son of Robert Johnson. That happened in 1998. Wow. Uh, and he was a sole heir and transferred all the rights to him. And in 2014, the Mississippi Supreme Court again secured the on the ongoing income from uh, the the photographs of the family. Um, once again, said it is the family's photographs, not you know pr- probably Peter Levere was trying to get that shit back. Yeah. Um, so we never got a chance to talk about that. Mac McCormick died in 2015. Uh, Peter Levere died in um, in 2015 as well. Oh, Anything a quick note on Mac McCormick. I listened to, I think it's called The Music History Podcast. One of their episodes is about Robert Johnson. And mm. in that, they it's like from 2013-ish. Okay. They sought out Mac McCormick oh, and so they got an interview with yeah. him. And they want, were talking about the myth because that's all anybody cares about is the devil sold the soul or whatever. But they brought up to him specifically, I think, about um, maybe his death and some other things. And he was like, I'd rather not talk about that. And they're like, what do you what do you mean? And he's like, well, he's like, I guess we're going to get into it. Uh He's like, how dare you invite me on this podcast? Since I went and did all that research, I've come to find out a lot of things that I can't definitively say any of the stuff I said was actually true. Unfortunately, there just isn't enough information and all my stuff was based on personal histories with him, personal interactions with him from the people that were still alive at the time. And it's all anecdotal. Uh, He also said that there was people in the the 30s that would impersonate Robert Johnson all the fucking time really? that they would because how would you know right like there's not the how internet there's know? not all this stuff so people would go along saying they were him and they knew all of his songs and they would just play different joke joints and stuff until they were discovered I guess and they'd move on to the next one and we learned that he used a bunch of aliases just our right. Robert Johnson well, too like that's wild yeah and so Spencer was one of them because that was actually yeah, like kind of his right. mother's maiden name thing it was like a she'd been married a couple times it was like a stepfather what, but once he found out that his real father's last name was Johnson he took on Johnson because he was Robert Spencer apparently for like the first 12 years of his life wild so because of all that and the misinformation it was interesting and i bet it's because he got fucking sued or whatever or like the, that can that contention or, over who owned the rights or it's intellectually honest to yeah. be like i don't actually have the information like i might have a gut feeling that this is right yep. but instead of polluting the sphere with what i anecdotes i'm gonna actually just pull back right. and say i don't know that's kind Which of I fair. really appreciate. Like, I appreciate that's that too. Great. Like, it's one or the other. Right, exactly. But, but he seems the type to me, just based on what I know about the Peter Levere thing, it's probably the former. It's probably that I don't want to go out there and say lies and like try to have to backtrack and defend myself on an anecdote, you know? Instead of like, I'm out here to make money. I'm yeah. out here to just spread shit. He doesn't strike me as that person, at least. So yeah. I might be wrong. But that was interesting know. to... to hear that he'd recanted all that stuff because yeah. the last thing I saw him in was one of those documentaries we watched from the 90s so it's like yeah, yeah. that was like the most present thing I knew well that was his first appearance in that whole time you know mm-hmm. he had been researching for all that time and he finally agreed to show up on that thing so uh, and cra- crazy yeah he, he was on a part of all of that and then Peter Levere did the liner notes for the complete recordings like that's a big deal right in some way uh, you get to frame what someone's about to listen to an entire man's life work mm-hmm. you know it's wild so I get that you you know, love it and stuff. It's just, it. you know, I guess I would expect nothing less that, that even Robert Johnson is not immune to crazy. Um, Being taken advantage of, unfortunately. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing too, back in the day, you would sign away your rights for a hot meal and, you know, some some alcohol. 
and I high five. You know? so, <laughs> uh, yeah. So again, we have, there's so much to talk about Robert Johnson. And if you listen to last week, um, every we going through the songs, it's just litany after litany of references that Bob Dylan lifts, puts in other songs throughout his entire career. So we are going to be talking about Robert Johnson a lot more, but I feel like we came to know a lot about him. Yeah. It was definitely a good month. This song fine it's fine it's but robert johnson in general i'll leave the last lines to michael gray quote robert johnson is not to be knocked off the pedestal on which the appreciation of his incomparable improvisational strengths as a wordsmith and a guitarist and as a guitarist a near incomprehensible dexterity have placed him his sound is fluid sexy volatile his songs which are mostly conjured up from other people's material but then the blues were a communal process, run a dazzling gamut from lone despair to delirious flirtation and intimate communion. And his voice is agile, elastic, light stepping, and yet heartfelt in touch with the most ancient field holler and the trembling youthful heart. Well, I felt lonesome, I was lonesome, and I could not help but cry all my love's in vain. The train, it left the station With two lights on behind When the train, it left the station With two lights on behind Well, the blue light was my blues And the red light was my mind Kelly, did you know that we're a real podcast? Only occasionally. So if you are one of those people that just listen to one Robert Johnson month. Right. Every, yeah, every, they, you only listen to the, our special months. Our special months. Yes. Only those episodes. You can follow Twitter and probably get on TweetDeck or something and just like only get updates from us in like September, you know, so you'll right, know yeah. it's coming every year in September. So if, if you're into that, do it. Do it. Otherwise... If you like us, you can go to SOTWpod.com. You can go to Twitter, SOTWpod. You can go to Facebook. You can go to Instagram, you know, all the places that you normally go. But also, if you want to give us a dollar, get this hard-hitting research. Give me a dollar. Please. Give Kelly a dollar <laughs> right now. Right now. Please. You get these episodes as they're recorded and put out. So in, in the case of Robert Johnson Month, we're going to be on the road. But you're going to get those episodes, like, way before. Like, way so much before. Earlier. And... Whenever you, you know, sign up for one dollar, we're going to shout you out. That's As right. you heard, Dan, Dan was a part of episode ninety five. Do you want to be like Dan? You want to be like Dan? You do. Yeah, Kelly Absolutely. said, be like Dan. Be like we, Dan. I'm already like Dan, so I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fucking fine. Are you Dan? No. <laughs> and if you don't want to do that, telling people about the podcast is perfectly fine. You know, all that kind of stuff. We love you anyway. Fine, we're family. Whatever. But we also have a Spotify playlist that we do every week. Last week was bunk. I tried my best to like feel good about it, but you brought me down. Yeah, well, it was terrible and we should feel bad. And it was, and I hope nobody listened to it. I hope everybody just collectively ignored it. But this week I would say don't ignore it. This is pretty good. I, I like this one Agreed. a lot. Welcome back to the playlist. Uh, some cat named Robert Johnson. Strike Anywhere. Annie DeFranco, first one since episode 19. Eric Clapton, first since episode five. Vince Staples. Regina Spector, first since maybe someday. Oh. And placebo. Hmm. Yeah, that sounds better. All all good. I like them all. Andy DeFranco, uh, 32 Flavors, was uh, six minutes long. Oh, such too, a good song. Too long, but very good. So very gay. Good. It's in that movie, uh, oh my God, uh, Better Than Chocolate. 
Right? Your own love better is better than chocolate. than chocolate. Yeah. So there's a, a Canadian movie about lesbians made in the late 90s called Better Than Chocolate. There's a Sarah McLaughlin song that says your love is better than ice cream. So whatever. This song is in it. 32 flavors. Yes. That makes sense. Yeah. Wow. So is that playlist like all metaphors oh. about chocolate and sex no and but cream? it is like exactly what you expect Lilith Fair 96 or whatever yeah. <laughs> see in my head Andy Franco isn't part of that because she's like she radical. definitely was right but she's more radical she, she would just she would just say no to the just being the a part institution of the, mm-hmm. I don't know because not to the, just to being anybody to any institution not not just that I don't think she would be that. I don't think she went I think she I would go she, now okay yeah that's fair I if, think she was a little too radical maybe welcome to the playlist for the very first time no name Oh, really? That song's great. That was the first song I ever heard of hers. Really? Yeah. Great song. She has a book club, which I am not a part of, but I, I have, I'm on the waiting list for the books. So I'm excited to read them and listen to her, do her podcast, which I am subscribed to. And I recommend you subscribe to it. Nice. No name. Book podcast. Uh, Professor P. Sure. Don't know. Summer Walker. I don't know. They Might Be Giants. First time, which is crazy. Nice. Claude Debussy. Oh, yeah. All these are really good. I don't know who any of them are. The Deli. Don't know. Tiger Army. Last week we coined Rockabobby. Oh, really? Tiger Army has Tiger Army has not been on there. Rockabobby. Rock yeah. uh, so listen to Summer Days. Uh, Mogwai for the first time. The Misfits for the first time. 20 Eyes, classic song. Uh, the Civil Wars. Bars of Gold. Uh, lead singer used to be in um, Bear, Bear vs. Shark. Throbbing Gristle. Yeah. See our April Fool's episode. Uh, what's the name of the podcast? Into the, in, Into the Void. Into the Void, I think, yeah. Uh, SZA for the first time we've recommended her oh she hasn't been on the playlist that's the thing no name you recommended it but we didn't gotcha and Alanis Morissette (laughs) that was a tough one that was one that I was like this doesn't sound like an Alanis Morissette I know and apparently it's some bizarro compilation for like Starbucks morning whatever I mean it's not Starbucks but it absolutely is that like your coffee house morning so they get some like like bumping (laughs) stuff it was very weird it's cool I liked it I didn't like it (laughs) (laughs) I didn't like it. Uh, no, this, this was a great, great playlist. Highly recommend going and listening to it. All right, Kelly, we were also people in the world this week, last week, the week before, the week before that. That's right. We've been uh, surreptitiously gone for the last uh, month or so. Uh, we recorded a lot of episodes. We finished up our Robert Johnson month in between going on these road trips. I think we tried to do it all before. It didn't really work out, so we just kind of lengthened it. So the month ended up being a month and a half, you know, which is uh, on on brand for Sign on the Window. So, Kelly, uh, you know, I think in lieu of like recommendations of music and stuff like that, how was your trip? Well, mine was considerably shorter than yours, but I was yeah. gone for about five days. A friend of mine from Florida. Who you haven't seen in years. Like, yeah, 10 years, something like that. Long time. Anyway, she came out and we did a little mini Western Oregon slash California road trip. We went to uh, Multnomah Falls. Which, this is a road trip of your dreams, people. If you have never been out here, this, this is, is like a great, like spend five days mm-hmm. road trip. This is the classic one. Yeah, Multnomah Falls, which is really close to Portland. That's easy, and that's like that iconic picture of a bridge with a waterfall that everybody sees. Like when you like, oh, Oregon. It's that picture. It's that picture. <laughs> and then Mount Hood, which is the other big icon, which we just went to the Timberline Lodge or whatever it's called and had lunch, which was nice. And then Crater Lake, which is one of the most beautiful places in the entire planet. And then we went down to the Northern Redwood National Forest mm-hmm. in California. And we stopped in Arcata, which was a cute little hippie town. And then came back up the coast, 101. We took it all the way up, which is the highway that goes all the way through California, it goes too, all right? all the way down to L.A. Yeah. Isn't, it called, that, isn't that the Pacific Coast Highway? 
I think, yeah. Yeah, once you're down in California. Name, right, yeah, yeah. At certain places. But. Yeah, so we took the 101 all the way up from Arcata through to into Washington. So yeah. went to the sea, try to see the jetties. Which oh, are, yeah, so you, is, right, so you get up to Astoria, and then from there you kind of like have to go east to get back to Portland. Or you cross over the bridge and head up to Cape Disappointment right. and the jetties. And, and that's what we did. So it was fun. It, yeah. was, it was a really nice trip. It was cool to see the redwood trees, like... They're really You've never big. been to the Redwoods. No. Yeah. Did you know they're really, really big? They're huge. It's very, <laughs> like when you walk in there, it's just so quiet and perfect and beautiful. Yeah. And yeah, just imagine it's... the entire, you know, coastal area being like that. You fucking know? insane. That's crazy. Yeah. It's just like Star Wars. Yeah. I was very much having very a Ben much... Wyatt moment yeah. where it's like, I'm on Endor. I'm the first one of Endor. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. For for me, I, I didn't do... I've done that trip before, and it's fantastic. I mean, just keep it brief. I, I drove all the way to Virginia, picked up my grandma in South Dakota, drove to Virginia for a week. We went to a lot of cool places, went to D.C. My sister works for the USGS now, and she works for the Smithsonian. So we went uh, to the African-American um, History Museum, which was, like, hands down one of the, the best museums I've ever been to. So if you're in D.C., these are all free. Uh, go to them. I went to the Native American or the Museum of the American Indian uh, that was really great as well. And we went to the portrait gallery. Uh, and then I drove my grandma back. My grandma, who was almost 90 years old, we just, uh, you know, palled about the U.S. She killed it. She refused to sleep the entire trip. Nice. And she was like, what would Daniel say to people if I fell asleep? Um, I can't have him going and telling people that I fell asleep on this trip. Wow, grandma. And I was like, Weird grandma. pride stance. And also, like... Yeah, because I'm just going to go make fun of you. Can you believe this old lady got tired on this long-ass road trip and, and took a nap? Slept on the interstate driving through fucking Ohio. Like, I wish I could go to sleep driving through Ohio. Meanwhile, like, I was like 24 when we took our road trip out here, and I was like, I'm sleeping the whole time. You did sleep the whole time. <laughs> I mean, we took interstates even then. Yep. But yeah, no, so I did that, and then I um, got a cabin for three days in Montana. And I don't know, it was a very... It's like if anybody's ever taken three weeks off of work uh, after two weeks, two weeks is like the iconic, you know, that's the trip you work for. But once you get past two weeks, you legitimately feel like you don't have a job. And it <laughs> felt really good because I knew that my Airbnb, it was weird because I would wake up in Montana in my Airbnb, this little cabin to myself. And then I'd be like, I don't have a job anymore. This is great. This is what life is, this is all my about. New life. And then you do that for three days, pretending that this is your life. And then you realize on the day you have to leave, you're just like, you know, I wish that I could stay here all day, but I know that the Airbnb people will kick me out. It's like reality just like <laughs> intrudes on you in that moment. And then you're like, oh, it's nice that I have a job to go back to. That's nice. I do have a life over here, uh, which is really cool. So then I just drove all the way back from from the Bitterroot Valley in Montana right to, to Oregon. So I got here, um, you know, by like five o'clock at night and did my rush hour traffic, got my, you know, a couple drinks and stuff and came back here and then. You know, you guys showed up the next day and we all hung out and it was a great end to a trip. And, uh, you know, we it was nice not to think about podcasting for a while. Nice not to think about anything. I don't think I listened to Bob Dylan. Nah, I did. Eh. My grandma was over music that I was playing. And I was like, all right, grandma, I'll play Bob Dylan and this will be fine. So I played my greatest hits, you know, just kind of went and around. And that was okay. Oh, that was great. She absolutely loves Bob Dylan. It's all the show we are.
All right, Kelly, that concludes Robert Johnson month. I got to say, this was not where I was expecting things would go, but I'm so glad they did. This is someone, you know, I used to, as I've said before, I had a poster that I hung up of the man, you know, with a cigarette dangling from his mouth. Mm. I had a poster of him in, in all, all the way back in college. I mean, I think it's one of those things. It's either going to be, you know, the naked girls with um, Pink Floyd sitting by the pool. Oh, okay. You can see their butts or whatever. Or oh, yeah. It's, well, it's like they're all the different flags. Yeah. Or like plants yeah, or something, something like that. Yeah, yeah. You either pick that or you pick Robert Johnson. I feel mm-hmm. like it's like you're trying to find yourself. And Robert Johnson is such a cipher, as we've learned, for like who you want to be and, and what you what you want to have in your life. So what a great month. I'm really excited. It kind of stresses us out. We, I mean, the moment we're done with this, I'm sure we're going to think, what do we want to do next month? Or next month being next, next year. year. <laughs> um, but this year, all these months are really... I don't know. They're really cool. I'm glad we did it with Woody Guthrie. And sure. it's been very fun. The band and now Robert Johnson. So we got a lot to live up to next year. That's no pressure. Right. Season four. But first we got to get to episode 100. Oh my God. Kelly, this was episode 97. As you know, episode 98. I got nothing. I got no more tricks, no more gimmicks, nothing but random.org sponsored the podcast. One. Oh my God. Not a sponsor. One out of 412. What is your guess? 341. 341. It feels like you said that one before. 341. Doesn't it, though? Haven't I said Ooh, all this before? We would have, this would have been symbolically beautiful. We would have gone back to the band month. We would have listened to This Wheels on Fire. Oh, hey, I've heard that song. You have heard that song and loved it. Yeah. So instead, we go with the unknown. <laughs> we go with the unknown. Oh, no, we don't. We go back to the basement tapes. Oh, hey, the band. The band. We're going to listen to Nothing Was Delivered. Take one, two, and three. Okay. Hell to the yeah. So we'll see you for the basement tapes. Nothing Was Delivered. Uh, It might trigger a basement tapes supplemental. We'll see if we have the time or not. But we will see you next week for episode 98. How exciting. Bye. Someone must explain. So long as it takes to do this. That's as long as you remain